Thank you for joining us for Dwelling Place Lithia Podcast. We hope this message will help you find your identity in Christ and create growth in your life. We hope you enjoy this message. I was reading a story, and I've heard this story before, but I wanted to talk about it again. Or I, I, to me, it's again. Um, there was a man named Curtis. Uh, he was he was about twenty years old, and this young man was in desperate times. He felt like he felt like he was at a place that he couldn't he couldn't trust his parents. He couldn't trust what was going on in his life, and, and so he, he found himself in, in a dark place. And so he started scoping out a bank, and he would go for about two weeks, and he, every day he would go into this bank, and he was checking it out and going in, and he felt like there's nothing his parents can do. He's got to get himself out of a situation. And so for two weeks, he'd go in this bank. And so he made a decision. He's going to rob the bank. So the day before he robs the bank, he goes to his fam- his parents' house and eats with them and Tells him he loves him. And he goes in, a little bit later, goes into where his dad and mom sleep, and he took a gun from his dad's nightstand. And so the next day, he goes into the bank, takes the gun, he robs the bank. He gets $6,000 out of the bank. The Canadian Mounted Police took him about three days, figured out who it was, and arrested him. And in front of the judge, the judge said, why did you do this? He says, because no one cared about me. No one wanted to be there for me. I was in desperate need. And before the judge sentenced him, the judge said, well, if you would have did your research, if you would have checked everything out, the gun that you took into the bank to to rob with is a very rare gun. This gun was built in 1918. It was one of the first semi-automatic weapon guns built at the time. And by the way, your mom and dad will never see this gun again either, so you've ruined everybody. And it's worth, in 1990, it was worth $100,000. If he would have did the research, if he would have talked to his 
dad, if he would have talked to his mom, if he would have just stopped and seen the bigger picture. In 2 Kings chapter 13, I'm going to talk about a king that had a decision to make. And I was reading some notes from this past forward conference that we went to, and something leaped out. A saying that this pastor said, and it stopped me, and it made me think about something. I know we're adults, some of you are young teenagers who are still trying to make life's decisions and things like that, and this, this one pastor, this is what he said. He said, I used to go to my, the kids, the youth, and say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And one of his mentors stopped him and says, why do you ask that question? It puts too much pressure on someone because maybe they don't know at that moment in time. Maybe they don't know what is going to happen. Maybe this is the question you need to ask. What is the problem that you can solve for the world around you? What is the problem that you can solve for the world around you? And I sat there and I go, if someone would have asked me that, maybe life would have been a little bit different for me. Because in 2 Kings chapter 13, this is what it says. Verse 14. It says, when Elisha was in his last illness, King Joash of Israel visited him and wept over him. My father, my father, I see the chariots and chariots of Israel, he cried. Elisha told him, get a bow and some arrows. And the king did as he was told. Elisha told him, put your hand on the bow. And Elisha laid his hands on the king's hands. Then he commanded, open the eastern window. And he opened it. Then he said, shoot. So he shot an arrow. Elisha proclaimed, this is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over Aram, for you will completely conquer the Amorites, or Amorines, at Aphek. Then he said, now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up and struck the ground three times. But the man of God was angry with him. You should have struck the ground five or six times, he exclaimed. Then you would have beaten Aram until it was entirely destroyed. Now you will be victorious only three times. And then it says, then Elisha died and was buried. I don't remember when I just read that. 
He didn't say, how many times do I need to strike the ground? He didn't ask that. The king didn't. So he just took it and he, he struck the ground three times. That's good enough. How many of you are overachievers? If someone tells you to do something, you're going to overachieve most of the time. I'm not. I'm kind of like this king. Huh, okay, I'm going to strike the ground. I might have only struck it one time. That's me. But the king did not ask, first off. And second off, even the prophet didn't tell him how many times to strike. So in our minds, sometimes we have to overachieve something and go further above and beyond what needs to be happening. Elisha got mad. He got angry. You should have hit it five or six times. You should have hit the ground. Did you want to be victorious over your enemy? Well, guess what? You're not anymore. You're only going to win three, three fights, and they're going to whip you the next time. And I sat there, and I thought about all of this, and I've been praying, God, what are we trying to do for our community, for what you've put on the back of our wall, Matthew 25? What are you trying to do in our lives? And this is what I felt, me feeling something. It's not, I didn't get a, I didn't hear God say, hey, this is what it is. This is what I felt. And this is what? I feel like God is saying, when he starts speaking to us, we need to become overachievers. And why I say that is this. Acts chapter 2. What happened in Acts chapter 2? The day of Pentecost. People thought they were drunk. But in Acts chapter 2, I want to get to right here, verse 17. Let me go up to 16. Okay, let me go to 15. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last day, God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. 
And I will cause wonder in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. It was prophesied at that moment in time from Joel to that moment. God said there's going to be people prophesying. Can I ask, what are we doing? Do we say, have the same Holy Spirit as they do? When's the last time someone prophesied in here? When's the last time? Let me ask, who's been dreaming dreams lately? One person. One person. The prophetic dreams are coming. The prophecies need to be coming out. Because out here in this world right now, I'm going to tell you, this week has been a horrendous week. I'm going to tell you why. One ear, I'm having praise and worship. I'm thinking, God, I need you this week. I need to hear from you. I need to know what you, you're wanting this week. And I'm in a room, painting a room, and it took me all week long. And all I can hear was Fox News, MSNBC, and all of a sudden I'm saying, oh God, please, I can't deal with this because I had the other ear not covered with with what I needed at that moment in time because I had to listen for my radio. If it went off and says, Sean, we need your help, things are happening. And all I heard is, oh, the gloom and doom, the gloom and doom. And I get it, I do, I get it. But when's the last time we got on our knees and prayed for our country? Not the gloom and doom part, the part that says, God, you're the one that's in control. You're the one who has everything in your hands. You're the one who's got everything. And if everything falls apart in front of me, I know that you are in control. But rather we would go around and I listen to all these old people go, oh, whoa, it's me. And I'm going, you're in a home. You're not driving around having to get gas. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. You're not worried about certain situations. And then this week, I got a phone call from a friend of mine. And he said, Sean, I need you to pray. I know you are a prayer warrior. I know you pray for people. I need you to pray because we're doing something hard right now. I said, what do you mean? He says, I've got six different groups right now. They're going in and rescuing human trafficking people right now. It's in a very... Dangerous situation in some places. They could be killed. They could be shot. They could be this. We need God's protection. I said, why are you calling me? <laughs> I don't pray for that. He goes, no, but I need you to. Because this is the time.
This is the place. 20, what? 22, 23 years ago, me and Michelle were at Lee University. I felt like there was a bubble over Lee. Nothing can harm us at that time. Nothing could get in. Nothing would hurt us. And all of a sudden, a friend of ours was in a play. And the name of the play was For Such a Time as This. And it's some scripture. And we've seen this young man change all of a sudden. He wasn't his... Michelle would, you, would call him once in a while bubbly self. He changed. He took on the part that he was supposed to be in the play. And he took it on. And he became very, very different. And I was thinking about him this week. And I said, God, why are you bringing me him? And, and all of a sudden... I got a text. You need to pray for him. He's going through some situations. I'm saying this this way because we're in a place. How many of you like to fast? Nobody. Nobody. I like the king's fast. Fast all night. I'll sleep all night and fast all night. I'm good. But you know what? That's not the fast that God wants us to have. The reason why I'm saying it today is this. I want to encourage you to do something different. There's people around you you may not know. But you can pray for them. You don't know what they're going through, but God can put put a word in your in your heart to minister to them. I had a young lady this week. I, I said this was a bad week. It was. In some sense. I walked into a hallway and all of a sudden I look up and one of our residents had fallen. Hit her head. Trying to radio. People trying to find someone. What's going on. All of these things. And the main boss comes going, coming down, and she says, where's the person that's on, on this hall? I don't know. Where are they at? I don't know. I just come on. I'm, I'm helping her. I don't know. And my boss goes one side of the hall, and she's coming back around the other side. And here comes the young lady with one of the other residents and was taking care of her in her room. 
And she was about to jump on her, and all of a sudden she sees she was taking care of this. And she says, you know what? This is it. Something's got to change. Something's got to change because of what's happening. Someone should have been down here while this person was in. And I said, yeah. But we're trying to run a skeleton crew. We're trying to make profit for somebody. We're trying to do this. But we're here to help somebody. Well, guess what? I don't know about you guys, but I'm excited about something because God put something in my heart this week, and this is what he said. And this is what I felt like I heard. You may feel like you're in the middle of a war, and the skeleton crew is only there. But you're mighty in number. Take your arrows and start beating the ground. Start beating the ground. Don't just hit it three times. Beat the ground. Because we have to be prepared. But then he said this, I felt. How many of you are ready to love on people? With your arms wide open. Just like Jesus. And help them. Ooh, that's hard. Have you met some of the people at my work? Yeah, it's hard. He knows. Have you met some of the people at your work? And you're like, hmm, <laughs> I don't know, God. Can you really touch this guy, this woman? I don't know. But instead of being that way, start praying for them. Because you are the ones who's going to be the different makers. What problem can you solve? Alone, you can't solve anything. But with God, you can do anything you want to do. I want to pray, and then we can go to the tables. Lord, pray right now. We hope you enjoyed this message. If so, please share it. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at dwellingplacelithia.org forward slash donate. We'll see you next week and may God bless you and your family.